What is Prakalak and Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Valley coming at you this time without my fantabulous co-host, Adam Brommel. I am, however, super excited to be joined once again by TJ McBride. He covers the Denver Nuggets for Mile High Sports. As you can imagine, we have a discussion about the Denver Nuggets. They're just a fascinating team in the wake of the Michael Porter Jr. injury that could keep him sidelined for the season. He just had back surgery um, to repair nerve damage, basically. They're already without Jamal Murray. P.J. Dozier is going to be done for the season. They've had some health and safety protocol issues. They've been all over the place, but they're they're still they're still going. They're still a fascinating team. We talk about their ceiling in wake in the wake of all these absences, whether they're going to make a trade, their their long term future. We we cover it all. This was recorded immediately following their win over the Knicks, so nothing about their performance Monday night against the Bulls was included. But it's a great discussion. Um, if you're looking for another league wide pod, we will have one later this week. I think there'll be two more podcasts in your feed this week. So it'll be a little three podcast week for you. Congratulations. Those are always fun or overwhelming, depending on how backlogged your, your podcast players are. Speaking of podcast players, please, please, pretty please with sugar on top. Remember to rate review and subscribe to hardwood knocks, wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you're downloading every episode. If this is your first time listening to us. We cover the entire NBA at large, and we're only modestly insufferable. And so for league-wide coverage, we call that a win here. Consider throwing us that permanent subscription. Help us out. Tell people about us. Writing reviews on iTunes is still one of the best ways to help us as well. Throw us that five-star rating. Write a review regardless of whether you use iTunes or not. Follow us on Twitter at Hardwood Knox. Follow us on Instagram at Hardwood underscore Knox. You can also follow our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube.com, search Hardwood Knox. We will come right up. Lastly, be sure to follow TJ on Twitter. He is at TJ McBride NBA, spelled exactly as it sounds, T-J-M-C-B-R-I-D-E-N-B-A. Now let's get to talking some nuggets with Mr. McBride. TJ, welcome back to the Hardwood Knox podcast. It has been a minute, dare I say a minute and a half, but it's good to talk to you. It's good to see you, even though the people that are listening to this cannot see you like I can. How the hell are you? I'm just thankful they can't see me. This is not one of those moments where like, let's look good on Zoom. This is this is not where I'm currently at. So I'm just happy this is an auditory only experience for everybody taking part in it. Yeah, it's I assume every podcast I record now is like on video. So I try and make myself look somewhat presentable unless it's my own because we don't use video on Hardwood Knocks <laughs> uh, yet, at least. Um, how are things going on your end covering this fascinating in a painful way, I guess, team that is the Denver Nuggets? I, I can't figure it out. And it's this constant juxtaposition of, wow, Nikola Jokic can do just whatever he feels like doing on a basketball court. And the Nuggets are an, a complete negligent disaster when he is not on the floor. So it's so difficult to figure out what this team is because it takes Nikola Jokic being just on an entirely different level than we have ever seen him play, which is a dumbfounding statement for the reigning MVP right now. But he has been that good. He, his stat line, points, rebounds, and assists has never been done in NBA history as of right now. Same thing going forward with his percentages. He's shooting like 59% from the field on 26% or on 26 points per game or more while averaging six assists a game. Only him and Steph Curry in his unanimous MVP season have ever even approached those numbers. So what he's doing makes no sense to me. It's mind blowing. But yet Denver's 11 and 11 and they only win if they defend. And like it doesn't make any sense to me why this team is able to do what they do. But yet they find a way to pull out wins like they did today at 11 a.m. in New York after two days off you know being able to beat the knicks in madison square garden the knicks are fuck shit at this point they're they're like that's why you that's why you said they weren't going to beat the knicks i knew they were going to beat the knicks they have not (laughs) they're eight no in their last eight games against the knicks now that's crazy 
I mean, it's the Knicks. What do you like? What yeah. it, um, but so the thing with Jokic too is I don't even think the numbers are telling you how good he is. At least the assist numbers. When you go and look at his assist opportunities per game and like the percentage of that his teammates are converting on relative to last season, I have not looked at it since that Knicks game. But it is a lot lower than it was last season because the talent around him is sparser. And this team is so, I said this a a week or something ago, if they had Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Mm -hmm. Jr., I would still be inclined to call them a contender. But now we're at a point where they're probably not going to have Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. for the rest of the season. And just to add insult to injury, it's, yeah, P.J. Dozier is gone too. And that's (laughs) the big one. And like I know it's Jamal Murray is obviously a franchise pillar of this team. Michael Porter Jr. was a burgeoning star that was on the verge of becoming 6'10", Clay Thompson. Like, yes, I understand how important those players are. P.J. Dozier as a multi-two off the bench who can play literally one through four and defend one through four, who can handle the ball, break down a defense, shoot off the catch you don't find players like that to lose him in addition to all of those guys it puts you in a position as michael malone called it where their margin for error is nearly non-existent because they don't have any backline defense anymore if aaron gordon is off the court you're asking jermichael green to defend the bet you know the biggest guy on the floor off the bench while also roaming the baseline or aaron gordon doing it and you have nothing else behind you so the nuggets all of a sudden are in a terrible position and it's not working well for them because of the loss of pj dozier but today against the knicks somehow tim Connolly, working incredible magic as he does pulls devon reed out of the g league um, grand rapids gold team that they acquired this season who is essentially now a pj dozier clone came out had nine points, four assists, two steals, a block, perfect from three on three shots, didn't turn the ball over. And they're finding guys to be able to make up for it. But those injuries, there's no margin for error anymore. And the Nuggets are now slipping because of that. That's why they're at 11 and 11, despite Jokic being incredible. They don't have anything else other than him. And it's giving them a lot of fits on the offensive end in the half court. And defensively, if they're not perfect, they lose games. He's super important to what they want to do defensively Mm -hmm. too. And you saw that sort of when he was missing a few games, they are 29th in points allowed per possession since November 1st, after being, I think they were second or third um, Mm -hmm. through that first part of the season. Let's start with a macro question here. Then how do we readjust expectations for this team moving ahead this season? And I think some people have sort of been like, okay, well, if Murray or Porter jr. Comes back, that changes a lot. Maybe you wait close to the trade deadline to see where they're at so you can figure out whether you need to make a trade to go for it. If I'm the Nuggets, I'm just, I don't have Murray or Michael Porter during the rest of the yes. season. That's just what I'm figuring on. Uh, and even Murray's recovery is like, he was injured in April. For That's- him to come back this season would be wild i was just about to say this kevin pelton did a great piece of reporting when jamal murray first tore his acl and in that story the last person to be able to come back under a year from an acl tear and the only one on record was jj hickson in 2014 it has never been seen other than that so the idea that he could come back less than a year at the end of the season with the playoffs a couple games away is a mind-numbingly dumb statement to me. The Nuggets are never doing that. They are not going to risk a franchise pillar and put him in a position that they know that he will not be able to contain himself. He will overly push himself despite the injury he just sustained. So in my opinion, I have penciled in that Jamal Murray is done. I don't expect him in the playoffs. I don't expect him in the regular season because you're asking him to come back at a record pace from an ACL tear and 
save a Nuggets team that is struggling. That is not a fair place to put it. And Michael Porter Jr.'s back issue, Mike Singer of the Denver Post reported, it's not just a back issue, it's a nerve issue. And when you have nerve issues, they could pop up at any moment, and you need to make sure you're not putting pressure on them, especially when it's in the spine. That's why the surgery he had was to shave down a disc that he has in his back to be able to relieve that pressure to not have nerve issues come up. If you think they're going to rush him back from a back nerve issue and his third back surgery at 23 years old, you're in an entirely different place than I am. So I have entirely ruled them out. They're not coming back. PJ Dozier is not coming back. There are no reinforcements. That is what the Nuggets now have to deal with. So they're not coming back. And now we're going to have to see if Aaron Gordon can step up and be an offensive player that the Nuggets need him to be. We're going to see if Bones Highland is this rookie that can actually make a run at rookie of the year if he's going to be able to be on the court. Like these guys are doing really impressive stuff. But again, margin for error is so thin and there are no reinforcements coming. And also there's not that this would ever be an excuse, but like you now have all of these guys under mm-hmm. contract. There's no mm-hmm. oh, Aaron Gordon might leave this summer. What's going to happen with Michael Porter Jr.? You will get, if you keep the band together, and hopefully an opportunity to see all these guys play together next season or the season after, whatever. There's just no reason to rush anything at this yeah. point. And it's Jokic is 27. Murray's right. 24. Porter is 23. And they're all under contract. The future is still very much so ahead of them. Which player, aside from Jokic, Aaron Gordon, even I'll say Will Barton, who mm-hmm. by and large has been really good this season. Fantastic. He was huge for them. You know, I know Jokic got a lot of the Jokic and Zeke Naji, obviously, got a lot of the shine in that Knicks game. Will Barton was huge for them in the first half, just really just helped keep their offense um, going in spurts in the half court. Aside from those three players, like who is the player now on the Nuggets that you're watching for the rest of this year that you're just keying in on who's just super more pivotal, obviously, than than he was supposed to be? So the, of the players that you remove are the ones that would carry the starting unit, the Porter, the, or not the Porter, the Barton, the Gordons, those are the players that need to keep the starting unit alive. So we can kind of remove the starting unit. The so starting I, unit is slaughtering opponents, by the yeah, way. Oh, they're the starting lineup. They're killing they're, people. There is nothing to worry about. It's just when Nikola Jokic is suddenly not on the court that the, that the Nuggets have endless amounts of questions to answer. And that's why the two players that I look at that could really swing things are Zeke Naji and Bones Highland. Bones Highland is still in COVID protocols. We're waiting to see when he'll come back. He tweeted that he does not have COVID, so he could be back sooner than later, but we don't really know. But those two players, Bones Highland's ability to pull up from three off the dribble within anywhere within 30 feet is something that the Nuggets just don't have off the bench. That level of shot creation, that gravity-defying shooting. Players that have that will warp a defense just by existing and now that we've been able to see that he can use that ability to then get downhill and attack the rim to create other opportunities after breaking the defense down and playing four on three all of those little things that he's already been able to actualize in his game based off his shooting has put him in a position that he can be a legitimate lead ball handler and a creator for that bench unit and what fully unlocks that bench unit is someone who can put pressure on the rim something they have not had all year when either of Jermichael Green or Jeff Green have played off the bench. Those guys are pick and pop threats. They're not rim rollers. The second they played Zeke Naji and he went downhill to the rim and they were able to actually collapse the defense, everything opened up. Suddenly it's kick out, pass, pass, open three, and you're in an entirely different space as an as, as a team. So when winning those non-Jokic minutes is what will allow you to win games, that becomes the swing situation for me. And Bones Highland and Zeke Naji being able to operate off the bench is what will give the Nuggets the ability to do that. I was fascinated by um, Bones Highland before the season ever started. He was mm-hmm. just watching his footage in college. He's a contortionist around the rim. Yep. I think he needs to get a little stronger if he wants to do mm-hmm. something like that in the NBA. But his outside shooting is just for real, and it's so fluid it's seamless when you watch him this year. And I guess we're at this point, you can expect him to play. Like even 
since the Nuggets season has kind of gone off the rails. His minutes have not been super heavy. Do you expect them to be like up, up, and up going from here? Or is well, there the still prob- going to be, you know, Michael Malone, this is a rookie. He might have a shorter leash. So Malone has said explicitly that Bones is in the rotation. The reason that his minutes have been lower was he was he finally fought his way into the rotation, and then he had a right ankle injury. Once he sprained his right ankle, it took time to get him back up in those minutes. So they slowly brought him up up to that kind of minute load. And then the COVID health and safety protocols hit. So that's kind of why the minutes have been inconsistent. I fully expect him to be their number one guy off the bench, especially with Dozier out coming back from the uh, health and safety protocols. He is their guy off the bench. They're going to rely on him. I have a feeling he'll be the first guy off the bench to help blend the starting unit and the bench unit as well, because he's shown a great ability to play with Nikola Jokic. So I do think Bones is going to be a guy that plays between 16 and 22 minutes it's a night going forward if he's healthy enough to do so um also i do know that he is thin there's no denying how thin he is he's tough though he doesn't care that he's thin like he will fight through screens he will fly out and close outs and put his body on the line to be able to try and get a guy to run off the line he doesn't mind going off of his feet and putting himself in danger to get to the rim and try and score or draw a foul so he plays bigger than he is which also gives him more credibility in my opinion but to see the three-point shot working at this level to see him his first step work at this level he's getting by guys without a screen which i was not sure if he would be able to do that athletically at this nba level and he's already doing it immediately out of the gate so i have extremely high hopes i was already excited i love unconscious gunners who know how to play the game the right way like that's my perfect balance of an nba player and he has ran with it ever since he got here and with how fearless he is and how hard he works and how enamored the coaching staff and front offices with his personality he's only going to get more and more and more opportunities with this group what is up with one of my just favorite underrated players this year? What's up <laughs> with Jermichael Green? I have no idea. Okay. I wonder <laughs> if Father Time is slowly starting to catch up. That's my honest opinion because the shot's slower. It's clearly he's not getting to the getting to the rim very often. The post moves are no longer there. He's not fading away and picking pops after giving a one step jab in a face up situation. Like you're not seeing the versatility that he once brought. He's not able to move to roam the baseline to check somebody at the rim rolling and then get back to the three point line. It's very reminiscent of Paul Millsap last year with Denver, where you're like that five percent of lack of mobility has removed you from being able to contest threes when you're tagging rollers. And when you can't do that, all of a sudden your ability to play basketball the NBA level really takes a hit. And if you can't hit threes at the same clip either, I don't know how he's going to find a role for himself when Denver's healthy. I really, really wonder how that's going to play out. Um, right now, Denver needs to play him because they don't have any guards, so they have to play bigger off the bench. So they're playing Zeke Nagy and Jermichael Green together. But if they get these guys back and they have Austin Rivers and they have Bones Highland and they're able to start playing a smaller, faster, more offensively noted um, bench unit, I don't know if Jermichael Green fits in there anymore. He's not out of the rotation now. Nikola Jokic loves him. Michael Malone loves him. So it'll take a lot to get him out. But he has not played worthy of that of that position in the rotation at this time. Hey, against the Knicks, they were playing Jeff Green, Najee, and Jokic mm-hmm. together. They were they just have to play big. Yep. Uh, you can get away with it against the Knicks because they just don't have players who can attack mismatches, exactly. uh, especially with Kemba out of the rotation. Uh, what? So, well, here's the other thing. He's currently in the league's health and safety protocols, but uh, Nuggets Nation still seems to be incredibly fascinated with Bol Bol. Does he fit into this team anywhere moving no. forward? I would say no. it's a pretty big red flag that he hasn't been able to carve out like even a semi half intermittent role amid like all this hailstorm of absences the nuggets have suffered through this year. 
how has he not gotten small forward minutes off the bench when a team does not have a small forward? They're playing Devon Reed straight out of the G League or Vlaco 24 Chanchar. plus minutes right out of the G League. <laughs> and Bol Bol is not even sniffing the court in that situation anyway. Even if he was healthy, he's not playing. What What is worthy of playing Bol Bol at this time? Like we have seen the flashes. Everybody knows what the highlights look like. We don't need to like get excited about these moments anymore. It reminds me so much of Emmanuel Moutier. It's like, oh wow, there's that one moment in that one minute of your 18 minute stint that you were a minus 12 and a complete disaster in every other moment like i get that the moments are there but i have seen nothing to convince me that there is anything credible about his game in a substantial way there is no consistency there's no regularity there's nothing you can build around he doesn't fit with other players in a way that he meshes groups together i don't know what the fit is and honestly right now i was asking um, a buddy of mine this question devon reed is the pj dozier replacement right now and he played great tonight he's on a 10-day injury hardship contract Contract right now so here there is not a roster spot for him if the nuggets end up at a position where they still need to keep devon reed do they cut bobo because that might be where the nuggets end up in, a, in about 10 days and that's a very tough place to be vlako chanchar can play two through four one of Jokic's best friends smart player will always be there to be a utility player for very cheap off the bench that you can trust you're not cutting him you're not going to try and cut you know, you, you, I guess you could get rid of a guy like Marcus Howard and try and put him on a two-way contract or Peter Cornelier, but they like both of them. They're not trying to get rid of him. Bull Bull might be on his way out for nothing. Denver's looked to trade him and can't find anything. So I really don't think Bull Bull has a future in Denver. I don't think there's any reason to try and play him in the rotation to see what he has. I don't think any amount of minutes will raise his trade value. I think it's dead in the water. I think you, you've already – you didn't really allude to it. You stated it. They need wings, probably wings who can shoot the three ball. They're not a great three-point shooting team this year, unless they're yeah. playing the Knicks, apparently. Uh, is this a situation where you go look on the trade market to see what's out there? Do you think they're still good enough as currently constructed where – I think – I was asked on the radio – on Friday night, and I totally just I forgot the Nuggets existed. That's just where I'm at. And so they were, they were asked me to predict the top six in the West. I didn't have the Nuggets in there. I would put the That's Nuggets fair. in the top six in the West. No, no, I would have Jokic is amazing. And unless you're going to tell me that he, you know, I don't even want. I'm not even going to say it. I'm not putting no, it out it's there. Okay. I get what you mean. Yeah. So they will be in the top six. My question would be like, I think they should. You go out and you try and find somebody, um, and maybe that's the way to. You know, it's. Yeah, it would have to happen too soon. But like, if you consolidate, if it's like a two for one, then your roster spot for um, Devon Reed is is right there. Again, I don't see anything happening in the next week, so that's probably a non-issue. Is there? Have you thought about any player that they should go after the trade market, or do you not expect this team to even do that? Because it's like, well, what are we doing? here because we're not going to win a title this season yeah i don't expect them to trade away assets in a win now move in a season that neither jamal murray or michael porter jr are likely to play in i just don't expect that to happen i know that's overly simplistic and slightly reductive but like that is just kind of the reality i think they're with i wouldn't be surprised if maybe they cut somebody and looked at the buyout market like here's a crazy scenario let's just say that everybody's still hurt you know maybe one maybe austin rivers is a disaster when he comes back and whatever's going on they need a guard or a wing what if gary harris becomes a buyout candidate what if orlando is like you know what like it's not working the end of your contract did you see what altitude sports did to gary harris during the no, Nuggets game, I did not the side by side season comp to Will Barton's numbers. It was so mean. I tweeted it out when I was rewatching the game on Saturday morning. 
uh, it was just, it was mean. (laughs) That's vicious. I did not know they did that. Nor should they. Gary Harris, like, helped set the culture in Denver. Like, without Gary Harris learning how to play with Nikola Jokic, we might not know what Nikola Jokic is able to do. Like, that is an, that's, I'm not going to get on my soapbox, but regardless of that fact, a player like that on the buyout market, who knows how to play selfless basketball can shoot a little bit can defend can play two or three if you're playing smaller bigger um and just understands how to play cohesive basketball even if he's not a very talented player himself at this point that kind of player maybe that type of a move that makes some sense to me but trading away even a second round pick to try and get somebody in a two-for-one deal to incentivize doesn't make sense to me at all i don't think denver is in, a, is in any position to do that and again like why not just cut bowl they've been trying to trade him for a year no one out there is biting on second round picks or anything like that so it might just be time to move on and find your own help elsewhere as opposed to mortgaging any part of your future to try and keep all bowl around or make a two-for-one deal yeah i don't even think this works and that's part of the problem with if you want the nuggets to make a trade is the expendable salary that they have like like it's not going to be any of their highest paid guys it can't even be will barton at this point i think he's a lot of people it can't be aaron gordon as a trade candidate so you're looking at you know, Monte Morris, like he's probably too important to give up at this point. So but all even of a sudden, then, like that's a $5.8 million contract, if I remember correctly. So like what is left below Monte Morris? Like there's not a whole lot of money to build deals and you, and it's hard to do three for one, four for one type of deals and Denver would have to. Yeah. It's, I think you would have to look at Jamichael Green, which with mm-hmm. his player option next year for I think 8.2 million is next year. Yeah. Um, that is a team going to want to take that on knowing how poorly he's played this season. I don't know. I've thought about someone like a Daniel House for this team because he's so cheap, makes like three and a half million. I don't even think you could trade Bull Bull for him straight up. They just need like any type of option on the wing. And, you know, Gary Harris, if he's bought out, James Ennis, by the way, still not on an NBA team after having a really good season last year. Something. You'll get 38% three point shooting from from Ennis. You don't have to worry about that. You can just let him stand in the corner on the wings. Like that's all he really needs to do for the Nuggets anyway. I need to oh, know what's up that he's not, not like on that. an NBA team, but Wes Matthews is getting signed by the Bucks. <laughs> Wes Matthews will get a contract till he's 72 years old. It doesn't matter. There's a contender who's like the leadership and the point of attack defense. That's my guy. And the it's ladder doesn't even really year. exist that much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so do you expect this team, your, your reaction when I said I have them penciled mm-hmm. in the top six, do you view them as a top six team in the West as currently constituted? Penciled in is a good way to phrase it. Uh, one losing streak away from the play-in tournament? Yes. Like, I am concerned about how tight that line could be. And, like, if Jokic misses any more games, like, you have to have serious concerns about what is to come. If the Nuggets lose another guard or wing, what happens from there? Like, Denver is literally walking a tightrope of, are we going to be out of the play-in tournament or be stuck in it? And that's a terrifying place to be for a Nuggets team that's banged up and had a lot of minutes and are relying so much on Nicola. So that's a, I, I am concerned. I wouldn't say that I have them penned into the playing tournament by any stretch, but I'm not willing to put pen anywhere. I do think it's fully on the table. If one little thing goes wrong, that Denver could be a playing team. Which is just such a wild proposition mm-hmm. for them. Uh, it's kind of why I love the play-in, though. Like, it, it makes this so much such a more interesting conversation. Because, like, a 3-6 matchup is like, oh, no, what could happen? But, like, now it's a big deal if all of a sudden you're 7 or 8. And, like, that makes it a lot more enjoyable to me. By the way, the other trade name I thought for them was just if they went Jamichael Green and Bobo for Jeremy Lamb, who can't oh, get like minutes that. in Indiana. Um, I like that. Despite them not having TJ Warren. He... He's been bad this year, but he's hit his threes and he can still mosey into his mid-range jumpers. That's just mm-hmm. 
that's the, they have to sort of fall into something. Like it's, I'm with you. You can't give up real assets. Like there's yeah. no, I know people are like, oh, well they can trade their 2027 first round pick or 2020. No, like, no, no, that's not, that's not happening. You don't, you don't do that. Is there, what I find, I don't want to say more interesting, but I think equally paramount. Are there now long-term concerns about this team? Because you have invested in this core four, which looks so good on paper, but Jamal Murray coming off an ACL injury. And I think even more so the Michael Porter Jr. back stuff is absolutely yes. harrowing now, knowing he's been dealing with this all the way back since college. It's terrifying when you step back and look. But the one saving grace is that Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray are still going to be there. And that alone is going to get you very, very, very far in the NBA, especially because Nikola makes everybody so much better around him. I love joking, like how much money has Nikola Jokic made for the guards that he has played with in their careers? Like it's incredible what he's able to do with the players around him. So just to like at least preface this with the Nuggets still have Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and they have Tim Connolly as a GM. They're going to be okay. Like it's not the end of the world. Sorry, president of basketball operations. I still throw around general manager too often, but. Oh God, the front office titles. I know, here. So I there's know. executive it's, it's vice so president, there's team president, there's general manager, there's SAR it's insane. of round ball decision-making, whatever it is. <laughs> Czar. I want to be a czar. If I ever become an executive, I don't want the like, EXC. I want czar next to I would 100% take a slight pay cut just to be able to give myself <laughs> the title at that point. This is like <laughs> buying your own license plate of like arrogant. And I'm so <laughs> here for it. And I love it. I'm, I'm so there. <laughs> but regardless of that fact, let's now let's take a step back and look at the worst case scenario, right? Nicole Jokic, Jamal Murray will be fine. But if Porter continues to have back issues, to the point that he is unable to move on a basketball court, he can no longer be the shooter that he once was. If he can no longer be the shooter he once was, what does he bring you? And again, he does other things, but it's all prerequisite based on his shooting ability. Well, even like his improved, you know, help defense is just like if his back is he can't messed get up. Yeah, what is it? How is he going to get there? Yeah. His handles are already not shaky, like they're they're fine attacking closeouts. But again, if you're stiff, you're not going to have the same explosion. And you mentioned it closeouts. before, it's like Bones Highland brings that element already. And like even Peak Porter Jr. with the Nuggets, like that's never been his style to attack yeah. that space or attack mismatches or anything. Like we've already seen Bones Highland take a closeout, one dribble into a mid-range jumper smoothly and hit from the elbow. Like that's a big shot for guys who are trying to mortgage their three-point shot into more abilities. And to see Bones already do what Porter has been unable to do for years now is really 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 impressive for bones but it's concerning for porter like and again this is only going to get worse and worse and worse if these back injuries persist the other part of this too though is that those injuries could go away these are nerve issues we have no idea when they're going to flare up how they're going to flare up what makes them flare up like a lot of those things are incredibly difficult to pin down so they could just go away like we don't know and that was agent before surgery said that it was going to go away before he was even that was so that is the most bartlestein statement that i have seen in forever that man knows how to get his people their money i gotta give you gotta give respect for being great at what he does because i guess he's already planning for the next contract michael porter jr your money (laughs) you don't have to do that much heavy lifting God, but yes, but again, if Porter isn't that guy, though, you're talking about being a luxury tax team and not and potentially not contending for the next few years. And that's a really scary spot to like risk the repeater tax because of Michael Porter Jr. who can't play like for a team that is not owned by a Leslie Alexander ownership group. That's a concerning thing. Like you're not going to see them buy 12 
undrafted free agents and try and just you know sell them off to teams to get a, a player like Chris Paul. It's not how ownership works in Denver. Like they're going to be very, very, very frugal. So when you have that situation, does it concern ownership to kind of kick the tires down the road, try and save money, evade the repeater tax one year, risk a year of contention? The snowball effect is extremely concerning. And I don't know where it'll end up. Again, Porter could play, could not play. The Nuggets could be fine without him. They might not be. But nothing this only adds more negative variables to where the nuggets are at and we just have to wait and see which is a absolutely awful place for a president of basketball operations to be nobody wants to wait and see when it comes to these kinds of things because you're just leaving it up to hope and dreams at this point because that's kind of where they're at and you don't you don't want it to give a distaste to the team for paying the tax, which they finally committed to doing, I think beyond this season, they're just outside the tax right now. Oh no, they're, they're looking at being like 20 million into the tax next year without making any extra moves. Like they're going to be an extremely, extremely expensive team going forward. Someone did propose to me in my direct messages and I'll, I'll leave them nameless since they're listening to this podcast. Ben Simmons doesn't get traded this year. Michael Porter Jr. Doesn't play again this year. Are the Sixers considering a Michael no. Porter Jr. for Ben Simmons swap? Uh, the Nuggets aren't. That's not happening. No, I, I do not envision that being even remotely approachable because one, why would you, if they're not willing to trade Ben Simmons for all of these other players and the deal hasn't, still hasn't been done, trading for a guy with that kind of injury concerns that Michael Porter Jr. is not a Daryl Morey move I see happening. So that's just my first immediate thought process. Secondly, the Nuggets do not want to bring in somebody who refuses to play a particular way when Nikola Jokic is better at everything that he does other than perimeter or defense and pretend like it's just going to fit like he's not going to be like okay i'm cool being sean marion here sounds like a plan like i have no chance of believing that so for me the nuggets with how much they value culture with in my conversations with tim Connolly, the type of people he wants to be playing in denver i don't see ben simmons based on these circumstances fitting that bill i tend to agree with you 99.9%, but as someone who would probably follow Nikola Jokic into hell, I could kind of see Ben Simmons like just assimilating into whatever role needs to be fit around the team. It gets, I think if it would be a different story from one, I don't think Philly would, I think they're the team that would probably, it would be a non-starter for just because those back injuries with Michael Porter Jr. Those are, like you said, terrifying is the word, but also having Aaron Gordon there as well. Like that just Ben Simmons, Aaron Gordon, Nicole. I assume Aaron Gordon would be involved as well. And they would take back another player because you can't have all three of them. There's not enough room for all three of them. Like in this scenario, I just kind of assume that he's replacing Aaron Gordon's role on the team. Uh, Are we going to get a chance to see all four of these guys play together next season? Yeah. So you think they'll all still be there? Like this is not something you don't think anything new. Not play all of next season. We are in an entirely different position than we should be. Like that is... Uh, again, talk about terrifying. You talk about two full years unable to play because of a, a mysterious nerve issue in his back after his third back surgery. That is a – every other conversation we're having becomes irrelevant at that point almost. Yeah, that's a fair point. The back stuff is really just like – I know ACL injuries are serious, and I don't want to say they're whatever, but they're just not like the career enders that they used to be. The medical the- advancement has made them so much more functional to come back from. It just is what it is. Uh, anything else that you wanted to talk about? to wrap up this quick conversation on the nuggets there are i again i still consider them a top six team in the western conference i think look th- but aside from utah who's just been off at points this year they mm-hmm. have the second highest net rating but there's just something something just is amiss in utah i can't put there's still utah <laughs> like that might be it this is but how i feel about utah aside from them phoenix and golden state mm-hmm. like the western conference hierarchy is wide open. if you told me the nuggets finished fourth 
I would not be surprised. And that would also be, you know, talk about building an anecdotal case for Nikola Jokic winning MVP again. Forget about he'll have the statistical case. But anecdotally, not having Porter Jr., not having Jamal Murray, even some of the other ancillary injuries, and you finish fourth in the West. I know we typically, or voters typically gravitate towards, oh, you know, the first, the second or the best team in East Conference, the best player from that team is normally going to win it. That's a hell of a case for Jokic to go um, back to back. And so I'm just not ready to write. Um, I don't think this team is a title contender, but I'm not ready to write this team out of like maybe finishing fourth in the West because stuff is just so screwy in the Western Conference yep. after the top three right now. Yep, I entirely agree with you. And when you said, was there one last thing you wanted to bring up? Nikola Jokic's MVP case was the thing. Like people don't realize that Nikola Jokic has taken probably four or five steps ahead defensively where he was last year like his ability on defense he is no longer a player you can target this is no longer somebody who is on the verge of making things frustrating and to the point that you can't defensively scheme around him Nikola Jokic is a defensive plus no matter what metric you're using right now on a basketball court and that is a massive massive part of this because that was the only part of his narrative that didn't fit it's like okay but he doesn't defend he plays one side of the court like yeah Steve Nash won MVP VP too, but like that is no longer what is happening with Nicola. He is better statistically than he was last year. He is a more potent scorer than he was last year. He is leading a team that is even more banged up than last year. And on top of that, he's defending at a higher level than I have ever seen him play at in my entire life. And I've covered him since his very, very first summer league appearance for the Nuggets back all the way back in 14. So that is absolutely incredible to me what he has been able to do on a basketball court. There is the national narrative him uh, on him defensively is definitely not shifted. I would say, and you would know this way more than I would, having watched more of him than I have, even when he was at not his worst defensively, but like it's really hard for certain bigs, especially bigs of let's say his physical ilk, mm -hmm. to be effective or at least non-detrimental in more aggressive half-court defensive coverages. And that's something he's, if you don't want to use the word always excelled at, like he's never been. Like when the Nuggets get off to these hot defensive starts in seasons past or finish really strong, it's because he's playing well defensively yes. or at least not being targeted in those hyper aggressive. Like, like this isn't someone who, if he can come up high, like that's a, there are bigs who are better defensively than Nicole Jokic. I can't even do that. You try yes. and bring like Rudy Gobert up as high as you bring Nicole Jokic sometimes. I'm not saying he's better than Rudy Gobert. I'm just saying there's always been a disconnect between let's say how bad he was on defense versus how actually not bad. Like he, he's, it's just, it's wild to me that it's been years now. That is really what I'm, as I'm tripping over my words here is normally it does take a while for the national narrative to catch up to reality, yep. especially when you're in a non glamor market, but like, it's just never caught up to Nikola Jokic. If you don't want to call him a good defender, fine. I think some Nuggets fans have gone too far. Um, Adam Frommel, my co-host was on this mm -hmm. podcast. It was like the third one we recorded this season. He was like, man, Nicole Jokic should be in the defensive player of the year conversation. I'm and with like, Adam. No, I'm with Adam. At that point in time, I am with Adam. But also, like, your point is still salient, though. There's a dissonance between the defensive lowlights you see on ESPN compared to the actual defensive production that he brings to the table. The dissonance is difficult, and it makes the narrative extremely muddy. And it's harder for people who don't watch him on a night-to-night, possession-to-possession basis to realize what he actually does. And what you said before about him playing aggressively at the level of the screen, even if the screen's at 30 feet, being all the way up there on those guys, um, credit to Wes Unsell Jr., the current coach of the Washington Wizards who has been phenomenal. This he has year. turned their defense around. 
entirely. He went to Nikola Jokic and was like, how do you want to play basketball? Like, what are we doing, Nikola, defensively? And Nikola wanted to play up, play up at the level. That was his decision to make. And what has made Nikola's defensive leap this year such a big deal is that he's not only able to play at the level of the screen. He was a disaster dropping for many, many years because he was, wasn't able to change um, positions on a, on, at a flash or take a guy sprinting at him after flying past bad perimeter defense. Didn't know how to handle it. Now he can drop, he can switch, he can hedge, he can blitz. They can just play at the level all game. He has diversified his defensive skill set and the different schemes they can play to where, to a point that they can play any defensive scheme. And now they can sit in a half court off or against a half court offense and actually manipulate that opposing offense to push them where they want them to go because Nikola Jokic is so good positionally. And they can do that in a drop, hedging, blitzing, whatever. And they did not have that ability even last year. That's the biggest leap defensively from Nikola because he does like playing at that level of the screen. But to get him that good dropping when you need to be able to drop in the playoffs is a big, 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 big deal in my opinion. Look, and dropping can be hard. Look, LeBron has to drop right now when he's playing center mm-hmm. for the Lakers and can't do it. So yep. that's not it's not easy for everybody. Well, you're taking guys sprinting at you, knowing there's a cutter behind you while protecting the rim that you can't see. Like that's an incredibly difficult position to be in for a big man who can't move very well. Like Nicole is quick, but he's not going to explode to the other side of the rim and erase a shot. He's not like east-west eruptive. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So he's able to now know where to go, how he can sh- shade his body to get the pass to go where he wants it to go and use his long arms to get in passing lanes simultaneously. He's doing multiple things at once and drops now when he could only do one or two at a time prior and he's seeing the game defensively in a way i have never seen him see it before and there's also like i don't think people respect how hard it is to be so mission critical on both mm-hmm. ends of the floor and it's i think it's why you know drew, people appreciate what Giannis has done but like drew holiday is a perfect player where it's he's been underrated for almost his entire career because it's like do you understand the workload this guy has to carry on defense in addition to what he's already been on offense and so i do think nicole Jokic is better on defense I thought defensive player of the year at the beginning of the season was a little bit of a stretch for me. And I also was, I was all aboard the Aaron Gordon train to start the year with what he was doing. You know, you couldn't even get odds for what Aaron Gordon's defensive player of the year odds were at one point. I had to ask Matt Moore to go find me odds at a place to be able to find them. It like doesn't exist. Um, By the way, just for a Nikola Jokic defensive player of the year, little addition here, the Nuggets without Nikola Jokic on the floor have 115 defensive rating in their 507 minutes in the 550. He has played. 100.4, 100.4, which would almost lead the league. He has legitimately transformed their defense any moment he is on the court, and he plays all the time with everybody because they can't survive without him. So that is, he is the anchor of what makes this defense work. Um, the Aaron Gordon Defensive Player of the Year odds, uh, they were at plus 24,000 because I wrote about them. A couple <laughs> I weeks ago you're before, not the only one. <laughs> before, before Denver's defensive implosion, like sort of just around when it just started, I had him as a dark horse bet for defensive player of the year, like plus 24,000. Why wouldn't you? That's incredible that? value. <laughs> uh, that's where they were at at FanDuel, like almost a month ago at this point. In case yeah, anyone points bet had plus 20,000. So we were pretty close. Um, I'm sure they've deteriorated since, given how poorly the Nuggets have played. He might they even be off. don't exist. Yes, yeah, they, they don't exist probably- <laughs> anymore. <laughs> uh, TJ, this was fantastic as always. I'm really happy I was able to catch up with you and just go in. The Nuggets are, like I said, they're morbidly fascinating because mm-hmm. they're they're still good. They have Nicole Jokic, but they just, they've been hit so hard. And it sucks because I think even last year, Zach Lowe has said this, but I think a lot yes. of other people in the same camp where it's after the Aaron Gordon trade, there was that thought of they could be title favorites or they're at least one of the two or three most serious favorites in the West. And I think even this season, 
you could have talked yourself into the same boat where it's okay. Warriors sons because the nuggets with Michael Porter jr. But without Murray had Michael Porter jr. Clearly his back stuff was bothering him all year because he was a borderline atrocious. So, yeah. but having one, they, they just still looked like a team that could make noise. It just sucks to see this be derailed and hopefully will everyone will be healthy for next season for them. I'm still, I'm, I'm very close to predicting that they finish fourth in the, the West though. That says probably more about my distrust in the, the rest <laughs> of the West, but uh, Nicole Jokic is, is that good? And look, I love me some Monte Morris. Aaron Gordon's been really good on offense the past couple weeks. Really I've never seen Aaron Gordon play this well offensively. His intent going to the rim, whether he's playing with the ball in his hands and just driving, or if he's playing in a pick and roll and setting the screen and rolling, or just cutting from the opposite side of the court. Like he is so hyper aggressive and not just aggressive, but efficient and calm and understanding what his role is. He looks so comfortable right now. It's the best I've ever seen him play. And it's also, it's the middle of a year and he's playing in games that matter because I did feel like this would mm-hmm. happen from him in Orlando about 30 to 45 days after they were eliminated from playoff contention. He would always just have these stretches to close the year in these meaningless games or be like, man, if that's what Aaron Gordon can be, he's going to be so good. But he's been yep. legitimately impactful for a team that is in the playoff hunt. TJ, you're able to tell our listeners where they can find you and your work, please. Yeah, you can find me being insufferable on Twitter at TJ McBride NBA. Um, you can find my freelance work over at Mile High Sports and Play Colorado if you wanted to get some betting advice. And that's about all I'm doing these days, other than talking to you about hoops. So hit me up on Twitter if you need anything. Thanks again, TJ, so much for this. This was uh, great as always. And I think you can rest assured at this point, I'll be pestering you again in the future. I cannot wait. Talk some nuggets to you later.